Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future Technologies, poised to transform our lives for better or worse, are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Juliet Lamar. And joining us today is a, a friend of the show. He's been on before. I'm sure some of you have listened to his previous episodes with us. It is Scott Amex, who is the managing partner at Amex Ventures, and he has so many things going on. I'm very excited to chat with him again. Welcome back to the show, Scott. Thank you, Julian. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's jump right into to some of the new things that are happening over Amex Ventures, which is your, your new ICO. Could you go ahead and explain to us a little bit of what's happening in that in that area? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what's what we're doing is uh, we are launching a um, venture fund ICO in Q1 of 2019, so in about uh, a few months or so. And this will be a new breed of uh, venture capital uh, that's going to help uh, take some of these very promising startups, and particularly uh, things like in blockchain, as an example, and uh, take them through the, the ICO route for fundraising and, and do it in a way that is uh, professional, uh, rigorous, and ultimately uh, provides and produces quality appeal flows. And and what exactly then you know are, can this be used? Can this be applied to specifically? Well, just uh, just a little bit of background is that. Um, I'll give you uh, two startups um, as an illustration of why this is so important. One is uh, a startup called Endor, and I know the CEO. Uh, Endor is a startup that successfully raised ICO, and I think in the $50 million range or so. And they focus on something called social physics, and the founding team comes from MIT, and they're data scientists. So they're making AI available as a service. They, because they went through an ICO process, traditional venture capitalists cannot actually access it unless they're willing to purchase their tokens in the marketplace. So that's a missed opportunity for traditional venture capitalists who focus solely on equity-based investing. Another one is called GNation. GNation is a gaming platform uh, run by Sergey, and he's also a friend of mine as well. They also had a successful ICO last year, and I think raised between 40 to 50 million dollars. That's another very promising um, startup that traditional venture capitalists did not have access to through the equity model. And what we're seeing is that uh, if you kind of forecast out a little bit longer term, is that the the venture capital model as it currently stands is not as viable for a number of reasons, and unless the, unless they adapt. Uh, it's going to be very problematic. So one of the things that we're doing is we're focusing on providing a means to be able to provide quality and rigor to the chaos of the ICO marketplace. Now, there are plenty of reports that are out there that indicates a large percentage, anywhere between 30 to 60% of ICOs, uh, what we call utility tokens that have gone live as of last year, were, in fact, scams of some sort. So what's happening is it's everyone's rushing in to catch in the ICO phenomenon, not much, not that different from the dot-com days. So what we're trying to do, now that we're into transitioning into security 
base ICOs, meaning that now ICOs are going to be subject to the traditional kind of SEO regulatory framework as a financial offering to accredited investors. So being able to actually lead the guidance that provides a way for them to actually do so. Now, Goldman Sachs uh, has established a very large ICO trading desk. Now, the thing with that is you can only trade if the underlying assets are high quality. But unfortunately, we're still seeing haphazard and not quite well-matured startups going through the ICO process, including the security process. So what we want to be able to do is, as the new breed of venture capitalists, identify very promising startups like the G-Nation, uh, like the Endor from MIT, and be able to actually access them before they go through an ICO. And for those that are in the market, they understand that the initial coin offering is actually a very expensive process. There's a legal cost that can range anywhere from 200000 to 300000 depending on who you work with. And then there's other costs, creation of smart contracts and actual tokenization, working with exchanges, getting the right fund administrators. So the entire process, depending on your, if it's a private or public ICO, can be very expensive. So we want to be able to come in and provide the equity-based investment and the right guidance and expertise for those startups during that pre-ICO up to the ICO stage. And in addition to that equity investment upfront, also be able to invest into the tokens after they go ICO. So it is a much better alignment. And what the market gets is a well-vetted and mature startup that is closer to more of a traditional Series A quality that's coming into the ICO market. And that is exactly what we're trying to do with Amex Venture. Fantastic. It's really creating it a more successful and educated ICO arena. And uh, in addition to that, the other distinctive uh, advantage that from a strategy that we're employing is our, our venture capital uh, fund is really focused on the component technologies that goes into smart cities. So ultimately, our main focus is around smart cities. Of course, within smart cities, there are many different horizontal and sectors and industries that's involved. So what we, one of the things that's very important from a pillar strategy is that we have built a demand function. So what that means is we're actually working with <coughs> the sovereignties, the nations, and the actual cities uh, that are actually developing smart city and employing and deploying smart city projects, whether it's in renewable energy, transportation, uh, whether it's in smart buildings, uh, whether it's in um, you know energy storage, and any of the horizontal capabilities around, around AI, security, privacy, and so forth. So what we've done effectively is when a startup comes into our ecosystem, we're going to ensure that we already have the buy side ready. Matter of fact, we're going to actually vet them out with the demand function first to say that, oh, yes, in the city of Orlando or Lake Nona or in Singapore or in Dubai, we will want to actually test pilot that technology. So when we bring those startups into our ecosystem, we're in effect almost securing the fact that they will not only have pilots, but be able to scale on a large scale, replicatable across the world, so they can deploy and increase the valuation and their market share. That's distinctively important in terms of aligning the demand function. Because 
Most startups fail not because of poor technologies or poor teams or poor capitalization, although all of those matter. They fail because they can't cross the chasm. They can't get enough pilots. They can't generate cash flow. They can't increase their EBITDA and ultimately increase their intrinsic valuation. I love that we're working towards this solution because these are problems that are facing our, our new world and our new way of doing business. And it's fantastic to hear that you are striving towards something that is going to really change the way that people are viewing these technologies and, and ICS startups in general. Um, Absolutely. And, yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, we're very fortunate in that because we're so entrenched in this, uh, this, this environment, this ecosystem, that we have uh, attracted some incredible advisors, committee members, and mentors uh, from the United Nations, World Bank, IMF, uh, to industries, to university institutions, um, this amazing alignment. Uh, World Economic Forum, example, European Commission. So we have some very high-power people in the fields of politics, in the field of industries, in the field of academia, field of research, and field of execution and operation. To bring, it, bring all of these synergistic qualities together, uh, so when these startups are ready to deploy on a large scale, we have the local and the global network to be able to actually make this happen. That is so wonderful that that is something that, that you're working towards. You are a man of many talents, and one of those talents is being an author. And I wanted to get to, to your book. You've got one book that's currently out, Strive, and you also have another book that is on the horizon coming up very soon called The Human Race. Um, why don't you give us a little bit of an overview about, uh, about Strive? Absolutely. Because uh, the world that I live in is very much uh, of uh, entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship, as you know, is all about risk-taking. And it many times it's very scary uh, because it means that people have to leave their jobs. Uh, it means that they have to make a, a financial investment uh, either directly or through their efforts. Uh, and it is just years of hard work. And, many, and oftentimes it is not a, a one-time deal, but it is a lifetime journey where you learn from the previous iteration or project, including failures, and be able to optimize and learn and so that the next iteration increase your probability of success. Even though um, the ICO market may give a false sense of impression that anyone can become successful and successfully raise funds, that's far from the truth. The reality is it is incredibly hard work. Uh, there, there is a lot of network involved, a lot of salesmanship, a lot of passion, transfer of positive energy. But at the end of the day, it's something that I talk about in my book, which is strive. It's about doing the things most uncomfortable. If you want to successfully raise capital, if you want to successfully create the right team, if you want to successfully launch your product on a global scale and to build it up to be formidable, capture significant market share and ultimately become acquired or even go, uh, you know, traditional public, it can only be done if we exercise our ability to embrace discomfort. So in the book, I first start off with uh, debunking some of the commonly accepted qualities or the conditions for success, such as if you have enough passion or if you put in 10,000 hours, or there's something special about you, you're incredibly intelligent, you have multiple PhDs, or what Malcolm Gladwell attributes to success, such as hidden variables, when you were born, your upbringing, and your even luck, 
But one by one, I debunk each one of those to indicate that each of those, either on their own or together, are not necessarily sufficient criteria for success. More importantly, uh, many of the, uh, the success genre literature that's out there is really catered for those that have you know, MBAs uh, or really intelligent or have a certain degree of aptitude. I wanted to write a methodology that anyone, regardless of their background, can use and realize success if they're willing to strive. And so how do they do that? I break it into a simple methodology where S in strive stands for set a goal. Many times in entrepreneurship, um, lots of, let's say, the younger ones are driven by fame and wealth, certainly. But what I always reference is uh, good to great, where Jim Collins talks about level five leadership. It's about leaders who have a greater purpose than themselves. So we, when we set our goal, it's not just simply about money, fame, or glory, but it's got to be something that's bigger, a legacy, a guiding light for the rest of our lives, regardless whether we change jobs, products, or companies. So important because this is the North Star that will guide you for the rest of your life. Number two is T in STRIVE. T stands for think about how to get there and plan for success. Now, as we know in entrepreneurship, success is about execution. There are the dreamers and there are the ones that execute. But if you want to execute, you better know what those steps are tangibly. So taking that lifetime vision, that goal, breaking, out, breaking that by decades, by year, by month, by week, by day, and every day you're working on small and big execution that gets you closer to that long-term goal. Number three is R in stride, which stands for risk it, embrace it. And this is probably the hardest for most of us. Uh, you know you know what you have to do, but it scares you. And maybe you have to speak in front of a large group. You have to go to conferences and you promote your startup. Or maybe you have to raise funds. You have to talk to you know, certain venture capitalists. Or you have to divert your savings or, uh, to be able to invest into the startup or change your career or go back to school. Whatever that hard thing is uniquely for you, that is the first step. It's only when you stretch yourself that you begin to make huge gains. Number four in Strive is I for insights. What did you learn from your uncomfortable change? You know, one of the dangers of being your own boss, especially in a startup environment, is you kind of lose touch with your self-awareness. The only way they can ensure you're progressing in the right direction is to be intentional about self-examination, meaning that when you took a little risk, how did you do? What insights did you gain from that? And how can you tweak and modify and optimize your approach so that you increase your success next time? Number five is V in stride, which stands for verify progress. How do you know you're going in the right direction? Just like we have to check Waze or GPS when we're driving, we have to verify progress. You have to have a progress meter that is quantifiable, that's tangible, that helps demonstrate that you are, in fact, moving incrementally towards that ultimate lifetime goal. And lastly, number six is E in stride, which stands to enhance yourself mentally and physically. You know, uh, us entrepreneurs and investors, we are prone when it comes to being workaholics. But one of the things that's important to realize is that the journey to success has to be holistic. You know, I've known people, uh, friends in investment banking, where they make so much money but they literally don't have time off from work to even make purchases with their 
income. Or other people that have made millions and sold their company to find themselves miserable or physically or relationally empty and bankrupt. So in addition to acquiring new knowledge, new expertise, you have to also consider your physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. I start each day with my spiritual reading, my exercise, my meditation. So when I sit down, my mind is clear. I'm productive. I'm focused. When I interact with people, I'm at my best. You have to think holistically. Don't try and slave your way to success by neglecting your body, your relationship, or your emotional spiritualness. So my call to action in regards to Strive is, regardless of how you choose to define success, most of us want more success in life, right? For kids, for greater purpose. But how are you going to make that impact? Or how are you going to make that venture successful if you keep on doing the same thing, expecting different results? I challenge you, the listener, to do the things that's most uniquely uncomfortable for you. And when you do that, you have the opportunity to realize great success. Believe it or not, it's available to you and everyone else. And uh, for the listeners, I am willing to give a Strive VIP sneak preview of the book with chapters one and two. Uh, simply email me at press, P-R-E-S-S, at scottamix.com to receive a free copy. Oh, that's such a wonderful gift, Scott. Thank you for, for that. And I know that our listeners will be taking advantage of it because it is such it's such a well-thought-out, and just in the way that you speak, you can say, hear that this is going to be a very simple guideline for people to be able to follow. It's not going to be something that is going to take a lot of, of effort to to really try to grasp the concept. The way that you lay things out is, is very easy to understand. Thank you, Juliet. Uh, it is meant to be a how-to, and it, it's a proven, proven methodology. If you look at some of the most incredible historical figures, uh, many times, uh, take a look at the Wright brothers as an example. They had no fame. They had no talent. They had no money. They didn't have the traditional criteria for what you require for success. Yet, they succeeded more so than those that were better endowed and funded. And it all comes down to just the bullet points that you really outline for everyone in Strive. You know, just having that accountability and having that roadmap is the difference, truly. It really is. It really is. So important. So, Scott, what are the best ways for people to connect with you if they want to buy the entire book, what's the best platform to do so on, uh, et cetera? The book, uh, Strive, How Doing the Things Most Uncomfortable, is available on Amazon and any retail sites where you can purchase books. And it also has uh, translations available internationally as well. So regardless where you are based throughout the world, it's accessible. And to contact me, it's best to reach me uh, through my website, scottamyx.com. Fantastic. And, and real quick here at the end, when can people expect your next book, The Human Race, to be coming out? I think it's probably going to be next year. And this is a very important topic, uh, just real quickly, is that exponential technologies, and I don't want to go into all the different aspects of it, um, is going to fundamentally transform human society and innovation in a very positive way. However, it isn't going to be all great news for everyone. Uh, just like we've seen with the previous Industrial Revolution, where you have people that are laid off from manufacturing and coal and traditional kind of uh, hard, in hard industries, is that there are going to be people, a small segment of the population that's going to get displaced uh, where they can't quite fit into the new jobs of the future with an AI, with an robotics, or what have you. So for those people, we have to make sure we account for some of those externalities. And it's not so much about 
basic universal income or taxing robots, but thinking in a creative way that's tangible, practical, and sustainable. And that's really what that book is talking about, is this notion of human currency, where the fundamentals are based on blockchain, fundamentals are based on this notion of data monetization and data ownership by the individuals. And it's actually sustainable because it actually, as a system, invests into the future companies as shareholders where potentially they would displace people. So if you want to learn more, you can either reach out to me or wait until that book comes out. Fantastic. Well, Scott, thank you again so much for joining us on Future Tech Podcast, and we look forward to having you on again and again to continue our conversations about these very, very deep and important concepts. Thank you so much, Juliet. I really appreciate it as well. That is Scott Amex. You can find all of his information at his website, scottamex.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-A-M-Y-X.com. Thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been Juliet Lamar with Future Tech Podcast. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.